Hey, thanks for joining us today at Divine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and you can give by clicking the link below. But for now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Breathe on me, Holy One. Come reveal your wonder now. Open wide my eyes to see. There's so much more, oh Jesus. Jesus, you are where it all begins. Your beauty calls me deeper in. Oh, stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Stir Let it 
Well, how are you, church? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. How are you feeling after yesterday's slate of college football games? Everybody's team still holding up okay? Oh, there was some murmuring. I don't, do we have Wisconsin people in the house? Is this a sore subject? Okay, if, if your team lost yesterday or was upset, just know there will be prayer teams available after the service today. You can come forward and receive some maybe inner healing prayer. It'll be good, okay? But we want you to know that we are excited you're here, and I'm excited that I get to be with you for week two of our Hero Maker message series. And I want to start with a question for you. The question is simply this. What would you say is the secret of success? Now, that, that could potentially be a loaded question, because you could answer that question in a large variety of ways. You could say things like, well, it's vision, because without vision, the people perish. Or you could say, well, it's got to be alignment, because without alignment, visionaries go crazy, right? Because nothing actually comes to fruition. But if you were to ask a, a well-oiled organization, a high-performing organization, what their secret to success is, almost always you'll get a single response, team. It comes down to team. And as an Atlanta sports fan, that's hard to hear. That's a struggle for me to hear because we have a lot of teams in Atlanta that don't actually play together like teams. And that's really challenging. In fact, I'm an NBA fan, and so I grew up cheering for our hometown Atlanta Hawks. And as a kid, we had this unbelievable player on our team. You might be familiar with him. It's Dominique Wilkins. He was known as the human highlight reel. And he was like ridiculous. Like you never knew what he was going to do with the basketball. Like there was really no limits to his abilities. And what was remarkable is that with all of the talent that he possessed, the Atlanta Hawks organization could not build a team around him. So other teams playing the Atlanta Hawks simply knew that if you were to slow down Dominique Wilkins, that you had a very good shot of beating the Atlanta Hawks. And so even throughout like Dominique's prime, we were never able to get close to a championship. Now, part of that is because other teams in the NBA had a very different philosophy. Instead of going after the superstar player, they actually built teams. And one of those organizations is the Detroit Pistons. And if you're familiar with kind of the, the late 80s, early 90s, the Detroit Pistons were known as the bad boys of the NBA. They were rough. They were, they were rough and tumble. They were rugged. They were the team that you didn't want to go into the paint against because they would take you out. But what was interesting about the Detroit Pistons is that the bad boys were led into battle each night by the smallest man on the court. His name was Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah was a remarkable athlete in and of himself. He, he was a guy who could kind of do it all. Like if he wanted to score, he could have gone and scored. But he kind of recognized that his like, primary role on the team was to make other people better. He knew that what was best for the organization was for him to get everybody involved so that they all functioned together as a team. And what's interesting is that after the Pistons won a couple of championships, Isaiah Thomas said this in an interview. He said, the secret of basketball is that it's not about basketball. Being the best in basketball is really about team. Everyone must put team first. Lots of times on our team, you couldn't tell who the best player was in the game. It's the only way to win. Now, when you hear that, you go, man, that's interesting. But they didn't just say it. They believed it as an organization. And we know that because before they won those national championships, before they were the NBA title holders, they made an interesting trade. The Pistons had this guy on their team named Adrian Dantley, who was a very talented basketball player. 
And he was so talented that he would fill up the stat line every night. I mean, he would be getting a lot of points, a lot of assists, a lot of rebounds. And he was the kind of player who you'd watch and go, huh, he seems to care a lot about his own stats. He, he likes to be in the limelight. He likes to have the interview with him after the game is over. It doesn't seem to matter whether the team wins or loses as long as he gets his points. And the Pistons decided, you know what? It's not the kind of culture we want. It's not the kind of organization we want to be. And so they traded him. And in return, they got a guy by the name of Mark Aguirre. And everybody who looked at that trade went, this trade makes absolutely no sense because Adrian Dantley was like really good and Mark Aguirre was just okay at best. And so when you put their stats side by side, you go, wow, what is Detroit thinking if they lost their minds? And then after the championships, everybody went, oh, it's not about having a bunch of heroes. <laughs> it's about having some hero makers. You see, Mark Aguirre was the type of player who wanted to do all the dirty work. He, he was the guy who wanted to get in the middle of everything so that he could make everybody else better. He didn't care if he got any stats or any recognition or any accolades. All he wanted was for the team to win. And he was the kind of player that Detroit used to make their runs to titles. The idea this morning is that we've got to be team focused. We've got to be team focused. And for those of you who are going, well, Andrew, that, that, that's like from 30 years ago. That's not even how sports work anymore. I would beg to differ. I mean, if you look at the modern NBA today, the team that's won the last three of the four titles is a team that you never know on any given night who their best player is going to be. Because for the, for the Warriors, they've got so many good players and they're all willing to defer to one another. They're all willing to be lowered so that someone else could be elevated on any given night, as opposed to the team that has lost, the three, lost three of the last four titles where there is an undeniable superstar who is the hero of the team. But the problem is if the hero's having an off night, the team's probably not going to do that well. So this morning, church, I want us to grasp the truth that we were designed to be a part of a team and we're never going to reach our full God-given potential until we recognize that we were made to be team players. We're made to be a team. And the reason this is such a significant teaching is because hero makers naturally create and cultivate team environments. And so we have got to understand that we need to be hero makers who build up other people to create strong teams. And this is true of everyone in the room. It doesn't matter if you're a student or a parent. It doesn't matter if you're a spouse or if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're a parent or a grandparent. All that matters is that you need to understand that we have got to become hero makers who are okay with somebody else being the hero. And this is actually seen throughout the Bible. I mean, we see this kind of, this kind of thinking and this kind of teaching throughout Scripture. In fact, I would argue that Jesus was the greatest hero maker of all time, which is pretty amazing because he was also tasked with the tallest challenge of anybody to ever walk the face of the earth. All God asked him to do was to bring everybody on the planet into the kingdom of God through a relationship with him. No big deal, right? I mean, that's a pretty tall order. And the way Jesus was going to go about overcoming this huge obstacle, the way he was going to fulfill that mission of bringing everybody into the kingdom of God was through a team. We call that team the disciples. In fact, it's because of that team that Jesus was able to say these words from John chapter 14, verse 12 to those disciples. This is what he says. He says, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Let's pause there. Okay, I'm tracking with you so far, Jesus. So what you're saying is you want me to keep this thing going. Like you started this movement. You want us to keep it going, keep it on the rails. I'm with you so far. And then he says, then he goes on to add, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And that's the part where I go, whoa, whoa. And greater works than these. This is Jesus, fully God, fully man who says that. This is the guy who says, you know, he prays over people and the blind receive sight, the lame begin to walk and the dead are raised to life. And he's looking at us saying that we are going to do greater things than he has done. Hmm. We're going to come back to that, but I want you to get this. He has a hero maker mentality. (laughs) Because it's not about what he has done anymore. It's about what's going to be done after him that he's actually more interested in. Which means he's actually more interested in what we're going to do for the kingdom than what he's done for the kingdom. Now, for those of you going, okay, you just pulled the Jesus card, all right? Like you're in church and you said, all right, well, this is how Jesus did. Well, listen, let's talk about some mere mortals for a second, okay? Let's, let's talk about a guy who was one of Jesus's earliest followers. His name was Paul, and he has a fascinating story. If you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not a big fan of church, then Paul might be your guy because he grew up capturing and killing Christians. Like that, and that's what he was all about. That was his focus. And what's crazy is he went from being a murderer to being a missionary after he became a follower of Jesus. And after he became this follower of Jesus, he began planting churches. And he would start churches in all these different parts of the world. And he had this really radical view of the churches he started. He had this view that they would actually be one church, one church, and they would be in all different locations. And he had this idea that the church was actually really one body made up of many parts. I mean, this is, this is really interesting stuff. And he actually reflects this belief in the way he writes his letters. Now, Paul went on to write the majority of the New Testament. And you know what he does? In almost everything he writes, he writes it to a group. And the few letters that are written to individuals are written so that the individual can benefit the group. It's not just designed to lift up individual heroes here and there. It's designed to show that we should all have a hero maker mentality. He wants us to grasp this so badly. He wants us to understand this. And so he doesn't just tell the churches that they should be one church with many many locations. He doesn't tell them they should be one body with many parts. He models it for them. He does something that would be like radical for us today. He would take the offerings that were collected by an individual congregation and he would give them to a whole nother congregation. That's people's hard-earned money and taking that money straight out of that community and putting it into another. And he would do this. He would take the strongest leaders from a strong faith community and he would send those leaders to a weaker faith community. Could Could you imagine that? Like students for a second, this is what he would do. He would basically say, you know what? I know you've got a whole bunch of social media followers. I want you, I want you to shut down your social media accounts and tell all of your followers to go follow somebody else who doesn't have as many followers as you do. Or, or teachers, you'll, you'll get this. Teachers, could you imagine this mindset of saying, you know what, I've got a great class this year. 
I've got these students who actually listen to me and don't make me want to pull my hair out. This is unbelievable. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the best students in my class and I'm going to send them down the hall to those other teachers who don't have as good a class as I have. Or, or business owners. What if you found that you, you've had these great employee, this amazing employee who had so many gifts, skills, talents, and abilities, and they actually showed up to work on time and took care of people and acted like a normal human being. It was awesome, right? You had this great employee and you decided, you know what? I'm gonna send them off to another branch. I'm gonna send them off to start something new. I mean, that's a hero maker mindset. The easier thing to do would be to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this employee for myself. I'm going to keep these students for myself. I'm going to keep these social media followers for myself because it makes me feel good. It makes me look better. It makes me the hero. But that's not what scripture is calling us to do. We're not called to be the hero. We're called to be the hero makers. And so we've got to have a mental shift that happens within us. We need to understand there's something just different about hero makers. And I want to just drill down on one truth about hero makers this morning. And the truth is this. If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. It's that hero makers are permission givers. Hero makers are permission givers. And some of you might be going, why? Why would a hero maker want to give permission? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. In fact, we're going to spend the rest of our time today kind of walking through three reasons why hero makers are permission givers. And here's the first. Hero makers give permission because they see potential. Hero makers give permission because they see potential. And I would argue that in order to, to give away permission, you pretty much have to see potential in someone else. And when I say someone else, I mean, really, it could be just about anybody else. Because hero makers don't just see potential in the best and the brightest. I mean, there's some people who are in your kind of sphere of influence that you can easily identify that they are talented, they are gifted, and there is something different about them. It's easy to see the potential in them. But hero makers, hero makers see the potential in people that nobody else would ever see potential in. They're, they look deeper than everyone else. They don't just look at the actions of the person. They don't just look at the attitude of the person. They look at the heart of a person, and they see something deep down within them. And we see this in Jesus throughout Scripture. I mean, Jesus is constantly pulling out the potential of people. I mean, look from the very beginning. Jesus calls four fishermen, just as a newsflash. If you're not familiar with the culture that, was, that Jesus was operating in, fishermen weren't the best and brightest at all. People who were fishing were fishing for a reason. They didn't have other opportunities. And so Jesus comes along and says, these are the people who I'm going to invest in because I see potential in them. And from the very beginning, he says, I want you to follow me, but you're not just going to be followers. You're going to be fishers. You're going to be fishers for more followers. This is pretty remarkable. And you think about Jesus who, who's kind of traveling along and he runs into a wee little man named Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. So he climbs up in a tree and Jesus says, come on down. Do you know why Jesus looks at him and says, come on down? It wasn't because of anything Zacchaeus had done. It was because of what he was going to do. He saw potential for justice in the city of Jericho. And that's exactly what came to pass. You think about Jesus, he's walking along and he goes past a tax collector booth and he sees a guy named Levi sitting there. Levi's job was to record the debts of people. 
That's what he did. He essentially enslaved people financially. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're no longer gonna be recording people's debts. You're gonna be recording the gospel message. You're no longer gonna be enslaving people. You're gonna be setting people free. This is potential that no one else would have seen in Levi, but Jesus saw and said, you are going to write something that's gonna be read by billions of people around the world. We know Levi as Matthew (laughs) and he changed everything because he started following and living into his potential. But what I love about Jesus is Jesus wasn't satisfied to simply see the potential in single individual peoples. No, no, no. Jesus saw the potential in entire groups of people. For instance, women who in this day and age were relegated as secondary citizens at best. They only had the authority or power that was given to them by a man, by their husband. And Jesus elevated their status and their stature by saying, no, you're of equal worth of equal value to everyone else because everyone has been created in the image and likeness of God. And he did this for an individual woman. You might think of Mary. Mary's a woman who had a very checkered past. But Jesus said, it's not about your past because your past never disqualifies you for God's preferred future for your life. No, Jesus looked at Mary and said, no, no, no. you're in the future gonna be known for being an extravagant worshiper. 2,000 years later, half a world away, that's that's what we think of when we think of Mary. It's not her past. It was the future that Jesus saw in her. And this this is remarkable what Jesus sees in other people. But this isn't just stuff that happened in Scripture. Now, this is the stuff that's still happening today when people take the time to see potential in others. That's that's Derwin Gray's story. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Derwin, um, he's actually the pastor of a church. He founded a church called Transformation Church just south of Charlotte. And Derwin is an amazing man who's got a fascinating story because before he was pastor of Transformation Church, he was an NFL player for the Indianapolis Colts. And if you ask Derwin, like, how did you go from NFL player to pastor? Like, did you just always know that you were going to be a pastor? He would say, no. And they would say, well, how, how did you get to this point? And he would say, because a couple of men saw potential in me. See, the first man who saw potential in him was his high school coach. And this is what he says of his high school coach. My high school coach saw in me what I didn't see in me. He saw in me what I didn't see in me. And the second person who saw potential in him is a man that Derwin refers to as the naked preacher. We're considering bringing him in next Sunday, just in case you were curious. (laughs) No, he calls him the naked preacher because he played on the same team with him with the Indianapolis Colts. And after every game, he would go take a shower. He'd wrap himself up in a towel. He would then put a toothpick in his mouth, pick up his Bible and begin preaching to the guys in the locker room. And at the end of every message that he delivered, he would ask two questions. Do you know Jesus? And what are you going to do after football's over? Do you know Jesus? And what are you going to do after football has come and gone? And because of the influence of those two men who saw something in him that he didn't see in himself, he gave his life to Jesus. And then Derwin actually went on to have an even greater influence and impact after professional football than he did before. You see, his first kind of influence after football was when he was in a viral video that kind of was, that was watched by hundreds of thousands of people online where he became the evangelism linebacker. And we're considering actually 
instituting an evangelism linebacker policy here at the church. Let's, let me just show you what it looks like. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what's he gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. Come on, church, you gotta get up off the flow and go do to do. <laughs> right? That's what we're saying around here. And what's, what's awesome is that, so he went on to do that video, which was pretty, um, pretty awesome. And then he started the church and the church is doing so well. They're impacting so many people in the community. And if you were to ask Derwin today, you know, why has the church been so successful? He would say, it's because someone saw potential in me and now I make it a point to see potential in others. Their church just naturally built into the DNA of it is the idea of seeing potential in others and pulling forth the best that others have to offer. Now, it's not enough for hero makers simply to give permission because they see, they see potential. They've also got to follow up by seeing that potential and then doing something else that can be really challenging in our culture. Well, what they have to do is share responsibility. Hero makers give permission by sharing responsibilities. And this can be really tough for us. That's because we live in a culture that's made much of heroes. Like heroes get elevated in our culture. But here's the problem. Heroes don't like giving away responsibilities like at all. Heroes like to keep all the responsibilities for themselves. That's because they're afraid. They're, they're afraid of failure or rejection or conflict or loss of control. But hero makers, they, they feel those same fears, but they overcome those fears. They don't let those fears control them because they see potential in others and they see the potential of the kingdom coming through other people. And this is such an important lesson for us to understand. In fact, Jesus modeled this in, in, in from, from the very beginning of his ministry. If you look at Jesus's ministry, he's constantly inviting the disciples to not watch what he does, but participate in the movement that he is building. Think about when Jesus feeds the 5,000. I love this story from Mark 6. It's so interesting because Jesus is teaching and apparently he was a like, phenomenal communicator because people have come from far and wide to see him. And the disciples are beginning to you know, feel their stomachs rumble a little bit and they're going, all right, Jesus, you, we gotta wind this thing down. Like if we don't get done soon, the Baptists are gonna beat us to lunch. Like Jesus... We've got to finish this so we can move on. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, why don't you give them something to eat? Not, not watch me give them something to eat. Why don't you give them something to eat? And so I just imagine the disciples kind of looking around at each other like, I, Jesus, I, I don't even know what to say to that. There's thousands of people here. We, we don't have enough food. We couldn't even go get enough food. We couldn't carry enough food. Like, what do you mean you feed them? And then I imagine one of the disciples being like, hey, I think over there, one of those kids has a Lunchable. Hold on, let me go get it. So he goes, he gets the, the kid's Lunchable and it's like, hey, Jesus, I got this. And Jesus says, cool, bring it, bring it to me. Jesus then blesses it. And then you think, all right, so Jesus has taken over. He's gonna get the credit for this. Jesus then gives it back to the disciples and says, you go and distribute it. Why? So that the disciples could actually be the one feeding the people. 
So the disciples could actually be the ones watching the baskets miraculously fill again and again and again. They could be the ones holding the baskets filled with bread that would never run out. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable experience that Jesus freely gives to them because he has shared responsibility with them. He then follows that up in Luke chapter nine by by teaching the disciples that, you know what? If you're gonna be my follower, I'm going to send you out. And he sends them out to go and proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And then Jesus actually, I think, gives us the greatest example of this at the end of Matthew chapter 28 where he gives what's known as the Great Commission. Because in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us that it's our call, all of our calls, anybody who's a follower of Jesus has the humble and holy calling to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's it's remarkable that Jesus has tasked us with this. You know why he would do that? Because he's a hero maker and he wants us to be a part of the movement that he is doing. Now, what's really cool for me is that within the life of our church, we have some incredible hero makers who serve diligently and passionately. These are people who give selflessly of themselves, who who are heroes to some and hero makers to others. And when I think about hero makers in the life of the Vine Church, uh, I think of a woman named Jana Domaslowski, who has been serving in our Kids Who Children's Ministry almost since the very beginning of the Vine Church. There's Jana and her beautiful family there. And Jana, by the way, will be available for autographs after the service if you're interested. But Jana is remarkable at this because if you talk to any of the kids who are a part of her kids group, they'll tell you how much they love Miss Jana. In fact, some of them don't wanna leave Miss Jana's class on the end of, at the end of services on Sunday. But what's even cooler to me is that if you talk to the, the young leaders that Jana's investing in, and they love bragging about Jana's influence on their lives. In fact, we, we talked to one of those young leaders in the life of our church. Her name is Lauren Forbes, who recently graduated from Mill Creek High School. And we asked her some questions about Jana. By the way, unbeknownst to Jana, who's giving me the stink eye at the moment, okay? This is what Lauren said about Jana. She said, Jana is such an encourager. If I'm ever scared or unsure of how to do something, she is always there to listen to, and to tell me that it will get better. Later, she's always sure to check and see if things have actually gotten better. She's like this with the kids too. She always asks them about things in their lives and wants to encourage them by celebrating their triumphs with them and being sad when they're sad. Jana's helped me grow into being a better leader in more ways than I even know how to say. She has definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone lovingly, but because I was able to observe how she interacted with the kids and how she led them, I was more prepared. She slowly gave me more responsibility as she felt I was more and more capable. She started by giving me small jobs like preparing the activities or reading different things to the kids. But later on, she began helping me learn how to actually lead the entire group. Jana has given me so much more confidence as a kids who leader because she has, she has shown me what it looks like to be a good leader who loves and encourages those around her. That's what a hero maker sounds like. This is such a big deal because we need more hero makers in the life of our church. We need more people who are investing in young leaders. We we need more people who see potential and don't just see the potential, but share responsibility with them so they can actually see how it's done and then learn to do it themselves. And here's why this matters. We don't just need hero makers in our church. 
We need hero makers in our community. Could you imagine if that was the description of every person who attended here at the Vine in their jobs? Like if I was to go and ask all of your coworkers about you, would that be the description they would give? Oh man, they are the most encouraging. They are the best. They build up. They actually care. They take time to not just give me tasks, but give me responsibilities. And they follow up to make sure I'm doing okay. And they, they lead me bit by bit until I'm actually able to do it by myself. Could you imagine students, if that's what was happening in your school? If your reputation in your school was, man, they're just the most encouraging. Man, they're just always there for me. They make things better. And they invest in others who make things better. Could you imagine in your office, in your neighborhood, on the PTA? Could, could you imagine if that's the way everybody who attended the church was known as a hero maker who said, I'm gonna invest because I see potential in you and I'm gonna share responsibility with you. Man, if we did that, not only would our church be changed forever for the better, our community would be changed forever for the better. And that's why this hero maker concept matters so much. But I don't want to stop with this idea of just sharing responsibilities. Because if we stop there, we will have missed something just that's so crucial. See, hero makers also give permission by sending with authority. Hero makers give permission by sending with authority. And Jesus himself sent with the authority that was given from his heavenly father that came from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's that that kind of authority that he's imparting when he says these words in John chapter 20, verse 21. He says this, as the father has sent me, so even now I am sending you. As I've been sent, I am sending you. Listen, I want to be clear about this. I've run into a lot of people who feel like they're leading because they've given tasks to other people. I'm not talking about delegating tasks. I'm talking about giving away authority. And that's scary because when you give authority, you don't know what a person's going to do. But it's the only way that you can truly build a team. And it's the only way that you can truly equip a hero maker. You've got to actually give authority to them. And here's what authority means. It means that you've set the mission before them and you're saying you've got all the resources and ability and skills and talent and passion to go do that. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but go do it. Here's what I've learned. In leadership, the best leaders don't micromanage. The best leaders give very clear expectations, then they equip the person, and then they say, take the authority and go do. But this is so hard. It's so hard because it's so risky. We, we don't know. What if the person's not as good as we thought they were? What if they don't? What if I misread their potential? What if it doesn't work out? Listen, once you give that authority, you've actually given up the opportunity to them to have the Holy Spirit work in their lives in ways that you've never dreamed possible. When you hold back authority, you're actually holding the Holy Spirit back from working in the lives of people all around you because the Holy Spirit wants to equip people for the mission of God. And if you think the mission is just your mission, then you're actually, you're actually in the way of the mission. 
And a hero maker who taught me this was actually my very first boss in ministry. Her, her name is Margaret. Margaret was the, is the youth pastor of a large um, kind of growing youth ministry in Athens, Georgia. And so when I was a student at UGA, um, she hired me. And I, I look back on that and I still don't really know why she hired me <laughs> because I was 19 years old and I'd only been following Jesus for just a few years. And she took her chance on me because she saw something in me that, to be honest, I didn't see in me. And she didn't just give me responsibilities. She gave me authority. She, I was in a role where she could have easily just made me the gopher, where I would go for this and go for that, where I would get the coffee, or where I would make the copies. That's not what she did. She, she gave me opportunities to teach and to preach. She gave me opportunities to lead and to grow into a leader. And in fact, when the Lord called her to step out of that role, she came to me and she said, I'm stepping out because the Lord's calling me to, but I'm convinced the Lord's calling you to stay in this season because he's giving you authority to lead. And one of the things she asked me to lead was a mission trip to Juarez, Mexico. And I don't know if you're familiar with Juarez, Mexico, but it's, it's not the safest place in the world. And I learned quickly that when you're planning a mission trip for 25 teenagers, that's an international trip, um, getting back 24 out of 25 is not like a good ratio. <laughs> Parents seem to actually want their kids back. So it was a huge responsibility. And I actually turned 21 on that trip while I was leading 25 teenagers across the border. And I look back on that and I think, what was she thinking? <laughs> and I realized she didn't want to just share responsibility. She wanted to give authority. And because of the authority she gave to me, I've stepped into the call that God has for my life in new and, and so many different ways than I ever dreamed possible because she saw something in me and gave me the opportunity to pursue it. That's why this morning, church, we want you to be a part of seeing the potential in other people and helping them pursue it. And for some people, it comes naturally, and for others, it doesn't. But that's why we wanted to equip you for this. On your seats when you came in, you saw this card. It's the ICNU card. This is not a new division at the hospital. <laughs> this is not a new show on TV, you know, NYICNU, right? That's not what this is. What this is, is if you say the, the letters slower, you get I-C-N-U. And what we're going to invite you to do is spend time praying. You can pray this morning or maybe during our closing song. You can pray this week. But spend time praying about who the Lord wants you to give this to. And once you get a, a person's face or a person's name, we want you to write down the specifics of what you see in them. And I don't want generics like you've got great hair. You know, like that's... That's not helpful. We want very specific things of like, I see this in you. I see the potential to, to be in a, a phenomenal leader. I see in you like a teacher who can equip people in ways that maybe you don't see. I see in you and fill in the blank with what the specifics are that you see in them. And if you're going, well, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Then ask the Lord what he wants you to tell them and tell them that. Maybe he's going to reveal something through you that will change the course of their life because you took the time to say, I see in you. And maybe just maybe you pulling out that potential in them will change their trajectory and change the path that they're walking. But here's my prayer for you, church, that as you go through this activity, that you'll recognize 
that not only are you hopefully helping to empower a new hero, you're embracing the mindset of a hero maker. When you have that hero maker mentality, you can't help but look at everybody in your life and begin to see the potential that God has placed in them. And when you see their God-given potential, you can't help, you can't help but begin to pray for them and prop them up. Even if that means you take a step down so that you can raise them up so that they can ultimately fulfill who God made them to be. For you, that's the ultimate win. For you, it's to be like Jesus, the one who lifts us all up so that he, so that he, so that he can be lifted high in and through others. Fullness of eternal promise Stirring in your sons and daughters Earth revealing heaven's wonders Spirit come, Spirit come What you spoke is now unfolding All your children shall behold it Dreams awaken in this moment Spirit come Spirit come Pour it out Let your love run
Let our hearts continue burning For our King is soon returning As we hold to this assurance Come on Spirit come 